Let's get into the Word today. If you have your Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, turn with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. I started a series a few weeks ago called uh, The Perfect Life, and uh, The Perfect Life. That's what we want to continue with today. And uh, of course, next week we'll get into the, the birth of the Lord and so forth. But today, The Perfect Life, Colossians chapter 2 is our text for the series, beginning in verse 8. It reads, beware lest anyone cheat you. Has anyone ever been cheated? (laughs) More than you know. Because this happens through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So we can see, and I'll remind you again, it's any message or any thought or any tradition that pulls you away from the completeness and the satisfaction that we have in Christ. It's it's designed to rob us. Okay, for in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, if it's trying to pull you away from the uh, fulfillment in Christ, it's trying to pull you away from everything. If If everything is in him, if all of God is in him, then why would I need something else? Why would I need a tradition of man or basic principle of the world to add to, add to full? You know, you ever had a big meal and someone said, hey, would you like to try this? And you thought, uh, no. <laughs> Why? I can't fit anything else. I am full. That might be amazing, but I don't need anything else. I've had a good meal. Yeah. Well, when I get saved, I don't need the, any, I don't need these worldly philosophies and basic principles of the world. I, I'm complete in him. Okay. And that's what verse 10 goes on to say. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So when a person is complete, then in him, we could say that they lack nothing. There's nothing missing. There's nothing absent from our lives. And, and thank God, uh, there's nothing undone. Uh, he's not holding out on us. He's not keeping back the good stuff. This is where we get the language. Well, uh, the title comes through the definition of these words, the perfect life. So in Christ, our life is perfect or perfected or completely full, completely filled. He left nothing out. There's not yet something that he needs to do to finish this work. And so uh, last week now, you recall we we're emphasizing the past tense nature of many of the, the words used in Ephesians chapter 1. And so at, like many people today, many Christians even, will view the things they want and need as future events yet to be fulfilled. We see from God's perspective, he looks at them and says, I've already done that, I've already given that to you. Uh, one word that kind of encompasses everything is the word blessed. And he says, you have been blessed with everything. God's vantage point, which is the correct one, is in Christ, all blessings have been given. So that is a different mentality then that we should have because these things are not blessings to be sought, but rather blessings to be discovered and then enjoyed. So it turns us from, uh, you know, those who are constantly seeking God to do something into those who are constantly praising him for what he's already done. 
And it is in that faith act of thanksgiving and praise that brings the fulfillment and manifestation of what God has already done into our experience. And any of us can do this, but with many of us, it's just a, it's just a small change, a small correction that needs to be made in how we view some of the things that we think, you know, that we think we're lacking, okay? Much of what people wonder about in regards to the will of God is... Uh, uh, it, it, it falls in this category. They're wondering, is it the will of God for me to come up out of my financial struggle? Is it the will of God for me to be healed in my body? Is it God's will? All right, when you understand this principle, you know that you need to stop asking that question. Now, it's not a bad question if you don't know. I understand, but I'm not gonna ask that question. Why? Because I found out he already did those things. It's not whether he will do it, it's did he already do it. You know, remember that saying that was going around a number of years back, what would Jesus do? Well, one way you could know what Jesus would do is by looking at what Jesus done did. Right? Let's look at what he already did. Then we know his, then we know his character, we know his thought pattern. And when it comes to the work of Christ, the work of redemption, I don't need to say, Lord, will you, or is it your will to do this, to help me in this? Did you already do this? And I'm sitting here thinking, you're holding out on me. I'm almost blaming you for keeping things away. But when I read the scripture, I found out, well, you already gave this to me. So it's not a matter of me trying to convince God or, or make him do what I want him to do. I couldn't make him do it anyway. But it is discovering that he has already given me what, I've, what I'm seeking and desiring. So my focus then shifts to how do I receive this? How do I make, how do I enjoy the experience of this rather than saying, Lord, why, don't you, why haven't you made it happen? Okay. Everybody get, everybody get this? So there's so many things. In fact, all the blessings added, all the curses removed. All these things are finished works. They're accomplished facts. They are a reality of our life in Christ. That's why he can say, and you're complete in him. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, nothing absent, nothing that God, you know, kind of forgot about in this whole redemptive plan. Didn't, ah, I forgot to sneak that one in there. No, he took care of every, everything. And so we can't then have a good life outside of Christ because we won't be complete. But in him, we have it all. I should stop trying to fulfill what I believe is lacking through things in this world or through stuff that is outside of him and instead look to him and seek the revelation and understanding of what's already been accomplished. Amen, amen, amen. In him, complete. Out of him, incomplete. All right, here's a good exercise for us. Uh, it's, a, it's a fill in the blank. Think of yourself if you're a believer, okay, think of yourself pre-Christ and say something like this, I was, and fill in the blank. I say fill in the blank because there's many words that could go in that blank. I was, but now I am, and fill in that blank. I used to be without him. And I, again, I, we could take the whole message and just fill in that blank. But now I am, and fill in that blank. Now, by the way, if that's hard, okay, um, then there's some things to learn. If, if, if so, I can't think of anything, there's a lot to learn. 
And by the way, it's possible to be a Christian for a long time and struggle with those answers. And if, if that's the case with you, my, I suspect you've probably learned the wrong things. I don't mean what you've learned in church and so forth is not true or accurate or right, but it's not, it's maybe out of order. I have discovered this in looking at different material over the years. It's the reason why I wrote my own book for our new believers called Life Starts Now, the mini book that we use. Um, and not that others haven't done a good job in that area, but some of the material I've received and some of the material I've viewed is designed for new believers. And I listen to it and I think, well, that's probably true. That's fine information, but that's the wrong information. That's not what they need to know. Not what they need to know right now. They need to know this. So I wrote my own. I thought, this is what people need to know. It's like, I'm going to take my two-year-old and I'm going to spend all the time teaching that two-year-old how to drive. Let's get out there in the car, get on my lap. Here's your blinker. Now, let's learn how... No, that might be good information, but not now. Not first. How about, you know, I mean, ages, I realize people do things at different ages, but learn how to walk, learn how to use the bathroom. You learn how to feed yourself, learn how to get your own clothes on, learn how to do these things. And so what happened, what's happened with a lot of Christians uh, people come to the Lord and they're learning things that are not the, the first things they are to learn. Therefore, they might have knowledge and that knowledge will make you proud. And they feel like, I know things. I know scripture. I know this and that. I know, but do you know these? Do you know who you are in Christ? Can you answer the question of I used to be, but now I'm? And could you fill a long list up right there? All right. And uh, one of the keys to doing this is the now I'm is we find all the scriptures that say in him and in whom and through him and by him and in Christ, because that's who are, that's who we are. That's who we, um, that's in the, that's the method in which God used to make us perfect. But if I don't know that, but I, I know a whole lot about, you know, the horse in revelation and (laughs) the seals and the judgments and well, again, that's in there. I should know that, but not first. Yeah, You know, if I may be able to describe some Old Testament things and types and shadows and maybe discuss in depth the Nephilim and, uh, you know, from Genesis 6 and some of these other things, I, again, I study all that kind of stuff, everything. But I, if I know all that, but I don't know who I am in Christ, I'm not going to live a victorious life. Okay, so this is how we, uh, how we arrive at this. Now, one, one of the key components, another part to this, is also found in Ephesians 1 that we were looking at last week, and it gives us another past tense that drives us forward into a life of victory. And this is in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, where the, the Scripture says it this way, uh, in Him, so that's that phrase, remember, in Him, you, are, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. All right? That might sound like a mouthful, but think about it this way. First of all, the gospel is good news. Gospel means good news. Good news is always, if something is news, that means it's already happened. Right? When you watch the news, they're not prophesying. (laughs) If you watch the news, they're telling you what took place. There was a storm over here. There was whatever. This took place. You're hearing what already happened? When we talk about the good news, we're not talking about what God is going to do. We're talking about what he already did. 
He already did in Christ. That's the gospel. So it's a past tense event. But then he goes on to, to say here that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this is one of the things that, that transpires when someone comes into Christ is the sealing or the, the presence and continual presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? In other words, before this event, before I was saved, I didn't have this, but now I do. Okay, those are one of the things that can go in the blank. I didn't, but now I do. Didn't have, but now I do. Now, now think about this. The, the Holy Spirit uh, is a guarantee. He, it, it's stated here, he is, uh, what's the word? Sealed. Uh, oh, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, let's see. He's, yeah, that's the word, guarantee. <laughs> There's different translations, but the guarantee would be like a, a down payment or a like earnest money being put on a house. He's saying, when you got saved, you got this guarantee and that ensures you the rest of it. Now, it's interesting in this same passage, a couple of verses before, he says, we have received redemption, the forgiveness of sin through his blood, right? And here it's talking about, we have this guarantee until the redemption. So the redemption then is future. And how many know there's, there, this is a promise to us that something else is going to be given to us in the future, and what that is, what that has to do with is, uh, is our bodies being changed, okay? What do I mean by that? Uh, we're redeemed from sickness and disease in this life, but how many know we're not redeemed from age or physical death, right? No matter how strong a faith you, you have, you're not going to live to be a thousand, <laughs> Right, And your body is going to age. But there's coming a time when that's done. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. We will be changed, the scripture says. We'll have a glorious body just like Jesus' resurrected body. And you've got the Spirit of God in you now. And he's the down payment on that. So I'm assured. I'm guaranteed that when I was saved, I received this sealing of the Holy Spirit. And now I'm guaranteed that I'm going to get the full rest of this redemptive package at that moment when my body is made new. Amen. Praise God. Then you'll be able to travel, you know, by thought and walk through walls and cool stuff. Yeah. That Jesus, seriously, that's, that's what Jesus did in his resurrected body. And that's what we will be able to do. Amen. And uh, be nice. No more traffic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> And, uh, uh, but this is a real important principle regard and truth about the present tense reality of, of being in Christ includes the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Again, something we might, if you're a Christian, you might take uh, for granted this reality. You might not see it as a, as a big deal, but I'm saying it's huge. It is really massive. And so turn with me for a moment to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus had much to say about this, and he said it right before he went uh, to the cross, right before he went to the cross and thus then uh, went on to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He talked to them about this exchange, this trade he was making. They had him, but he says, I'm going to give you someone else. I'm out of here, but someone else is coming, and this is, as you know, the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 15, 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Is that still a true statement? Should we sing to the Lord, I love you, Lord, and not do what he says? <laughs> and, and I will pray the Father, 
and he will give you another helper. Another means, in the Greek, it means another of the same kind. In other words, someone just like me. I'm going to give you another helper that he may abide with you. What's that word? Forever. So this is a one and done. This is a finished, accomplished uh, work that the Spirit of God will come and he'll stay with us. And he goes on to say in verse 17, the Spirit of truth. So the helper is called the Spirit of truth. Uh, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay. Now the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, he says, for this reason, because they can't see him. Now, how many know that's one of the advantages we have of being in Christ and then learning the word? We find out that we can receive things we can't see. We can receive blessings that are spiritual in, in potency, spiritual in nature, but they result in physical experience. They start spiritually. It's like we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Someone says, big whoop de doo I'm a physical being. <laughs> Why do I need a spiritual blessing? Because physical blessings start spiritual. You could say that healing is spiritual from that standpoint. Not that your spirit needs healed. It doesn't. It just needs born again. But a blessing of spiritual healing produces, produces physical healing. Yeah. And so uh, here we see the world cannot receive because they can't see. Now, again, this is advantage, by the way, in our days. This is a day of deception. Last days, many are deceived. We should be aware. Keep your spiritual eyes open, your spiritual ears open. Even when you hear things in the news and stuff happening around the world right now, some people are all freaking out about UFOs and, and they're wondering about all this kind of stuff. Okay, say, so what about that? Keep your spiritual eyes open, yep. spiritual ears. Okay, Think the world is not just physical. Say, are there things, are there creatures here from, that are not from this world? Absolutely, 100%. They're called angels and demons. So I could elaborate on that probably for an hour and we could talk about all, all these things. But if you're aware of the spiritual realm and the influence and the connection with the physical realm, you're, you have a, you're, you're a mile ahead of everybody else in the world who's just seeing everything biologically. Everything from a physical world standpoint. They're confused and don't understand and they're reaching for something because evolution has fallen short. <laughs> to explain the origins of the world and origins of man, they know something can't come from nothing. So the next thing they look for is outer space. And I like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. It's just not true. <laughs> but when you understand physical and spiritual, then you can receive blessings from God that you can't see. And I need these. And you need these to be made manifest in your life. So again, the way it was versus the way it is. The way it was, those who lived pre-resurrection, so Genesis up till the end of the Gospels, uh, they did not have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, but the way it is now, and, and by the way, even today, those who are, haven't been received the Lord yet, they don't have the presence of the Spirit in their life. But now, once you get saved, we have this continual presence of God. It doesn't wane. He doesn't take a vacation he doesn't leave when we do something wrong. He, he's 100% of the time present with every person, okay? Now, during the Old Testament, the Spirit would come at times and leave. 
come and go, anoint a few people here and there for special service. Uh, but he wouldn't stay on people, even David. And David was anointed because, he, because of his calling. The Spirit came upon him to fulfill his calling uh, as a king and so forth. But even he expressed fear of God taking the Holy Spirit from him. He prayed, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It's like, why was, that, why was that such a big deal, David? Obviously, he knew enough about God's Spirit being upon him that he was, like, concerned that God might take the Spirit from him. Now, in the New Covenant, you're in Christ, you never have to pray that way, never have to be concerned, never have to be afraid. Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He won't. Say, so how do you know that? What if he still does? Because he said. Jesus said in his word, he will never leave us. He said, he will stay with you forever. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So think about it. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. So how's he going to help? Why do I need this revelation? Well, how about these two things right here? Teaching and remembering. Yeah. Say it out loud with me. Say, I have, I have living, in me, living in me the helper, the, helper, the, Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he teaches me, he teaches me all, things. all things. Yeah. Would that be a good consciousness to live with? Yes. Have you ever not understood something? And as a result of not understanding, you thought, I just don't understand. How about different response? Come on. I don't understand, but the teacher lives in me. Yeah. Yes. Holy Spirit, you said you would teach me. Yeah. You, would, you would explain things to me. So I'm looking to you. I need, I need an explanation here. Amen. Yeah. And then he said he would bring to our remembrance whatever Jesus said. Mm. Praise God for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, by the way, you can't remember unless you first membered. <laughs> so he can't remind you of something you never heard. That's why we read the book. Well, we go in church, we read the Bible, we, uh, we read and find out what Jesus said. But once we get it in there, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is he will bring it back up to you. Amen. At the right time, the right place, yeah. here's the words of Jesus. Here's the words of Jesus. Here's the words of Jesus. Yeah, this is important. And so say it out loud. Say, he will, he will bring, to me bring to me what Jesus said. Jesus. He'll remind me He'll what, I need to know. what I need to know. Yeah, turn over to the 16th chapter. Just a couple pages there to your right. And uh, notice verse 13. Verse 13. This is one long teaching of Jesus where we're grabbing the parts out that, that are pertinent to our discussion. Verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Say it out loud. Say he, he lives in me, lives in me and, guides me and guides me into all truth. Right. So I don't have to be afraid about error. I don't have to be afraid about being wrong about things, but I can trust and I can look to him and say, Lord, guide me into the truth. Yeah. So well, I don't know about some of that. Man, those things that I've heard, I don't know if that's real or not. Well, if you're saved, you've got the spirit of truth in you. And he'll guide you. He'll tell you, no, that's not right. Yep, this is right. He'll guide you into the, all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. That's a good one, huh? How's he helping me? How's he helping you? He's giving you a heads up. You know what a heads up comes from? Someone throws a ball in the air or hits a ball in the air and you're looking down, 
people will say what? Heads! <laughs> heads up, what does that mean? Get your eyes up so you don't get hit. Right? Give you a heads up of what's coming. Your, your very near future could include a baseball hitting you on the top of the head. So we give you a heads up so you can say, right? the Spirit of God will show us things to come. And in lo- a lot of that has to do with avoiding bad things and entering into good things. Because he sees all and knows all. Yeah? So say it out loud. Thank God. God. For the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who, lives who lives in me. He didn't used to, didn't used but now he does. And he tells me what's coming. Yeah. That's not, that's not, see, uh, one way in which we are robbed, which we're cheated, remember Colossians 2, we're cheated in this life, is we're told things like this don't apply to us. Or that's not what God does anymore. Or the only, you ever heard this one? This is partially true. People say, you want to hear God's voice? Open your Bible and read. That's partially true. It's a true statement, but if it implies that that's the only way God speaks to you, it's incorrect. He will also tell you, heads up. He will also tell you things to come. That's not just in the written word. His spirit, he's alive. God is a person. Amen. And so he will declare his things to come. Verse 14, uh, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, let me, let me try to finish with this. Uh, the Spirit of God, he, Jesus said, will never leave us. I was without, now I am with. Uh, sh- sh- should we be praying for the Holy Spirit to come? No. Should we... Maybe sing some songs about the Holy Spirit coming. Should we say, Lord, I I just don't feel you today. I need you to come and me come to me. (laughs) Or 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 should we say, instead of Holy Spirit, come, should we say, Thank you, Father, that you have sent your Holy Spirit and He lives in me. He abides with me for ever. Would that be a better prayer? Yes. Is it different? Yes. It is different. This is a God perspective rather than a human feeling perspective. Sometimes I don't feel God. Sometimes I'm not feeling the power and the love and the, the direction. And uh, so what? What am I supposed to do in those moments? I'm supposed to acknowledge reality that in that I have been given uh, this down payment. I have been given him as a seal. I have been given the presence of the Holy Spirit and he abides with me forever. So if I'm feeling, not, I'm not feeling it, I'm feeling mighty low. What's a good thing to do? Lift my voice and say, thank you, Lord. The spirit of truth is in me. He guides me. He reminds me. He teaches me. He leads me. He gives me a warning of things negative to come. He shows me what to do. I have your presence with me right now. Amen. Amen. So many times Christians are singing and praying and calling out, begging God to come. And that's a, that's a mentality that we want to rid ourselves of. Live in the now, and right now, he's here. Yeah. Yes. He's here. He's present. Amen. Amen. It, Pastor Bill, it would almost be 
for like me saying, Pastor Bill, I need, I need you to come be with me. I, I'm going to need your help. Would you please come? I, I need your assistance. I need your help with some things. Some things I'm going to need your assistance on. Please come. Please come. Come be with me. I need you. <laughs> you wonder if, if, if in the, just like that was like silly, made you chuckle. If you wonder if it's that way in the spirit, if all of our eyes were open and all the Christians are crying out, oh God, ah, I need you. <laughs> and there he is. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. We don't hear that because all we hear is our need. Yeah, right. Okay. Ooh, Come on. Good work. Hallelujah. <laughs> so should we ever act as if he's not here? No. Do we need to feel something? No. Or should we just act on the word? Come on. See, the spirit is here to act on the word. I should act, I should live and think and act and speak as if he's always present. Yes. Even if I messed up that day, even if I'm, you know, not feeling anything, even if I've done some wrong things. He said he'd never leave me. He didn't put a condition on that. He didn't say, well, unless you, well, unless you do. No, he just said, I'm never, never going to leave you. Just, just not going to. So I should think and act as if he's always present. And this is a faith venture, right? But this is how God brings his will, his word to pass. The spirit is in us. He wasn't, but now he is. And he's here to bring to pass God's word. In, in, in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 2, the scripture says that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is when it was void and and without form and void. The earth was chaotic. It was a big globally goob of mess, right? And the spirit was hovering over the face of the water. What was he doing? He's getting ready for, for God to say, let there be. And light and the spirit of God made it happen. And he divided the sea and the, and the land. And he, this, the word of God was spoken and he went into, into motion. By the way, he's present in my life and in yours today. The very same way. You could say he's hovering. And then when, when we take the word of God and put it in our mouth and we declare, thus says the Lord, it is written, this is what God promised, the spirit of God is there to say, yes. And to make it happen, to bring it to pass. He is the one that manifests God's word in our lives. It's been said that if you have all word, you dry up. And if you have all spirit, you blow up. But if you have the word and the spirit, you grow up. And God is not withholding his word. He's not withholding his spirit, but he lives with us continually. So when we speak freedom and healing and victory and we speak life and blessing, uh, he's there. He's here to make it happen. Amen. How would you act? If you thought God was distant from you. Well, many of us have experiences of how we would act, but think about it. How would you act if he was far away? 
distant versus right here versus present. I'll tell you at least two things are, are altered by this acknowledgement of what we already have. My behavior is altered because think about it. I'm conscious of the, what's the first word? Holy Spirit. If I'm conscious of the Holy Spirit, that's going to influence and have an effect on me doing unholy things. So my belief in this, it alters my behavior because the Holy Spirit abides in me. Secondly, the Spirit of God is also mighty. He is the mighty Holy Spirit. That's going to affect my confidence because if I am aware that He's with me and He lives in me and He is all-powerful, He is all-capable, then what can stand against me? I've got God on my side. He's, how do you know he's on your side? He lives in my house. He abides with me. So I'm not concerned about what the enemy may throw my way. I've got the might and power, that, you know, the backing and all the might of heaven living inside of me. Amen. So I'm going to alter my behavior and my confidence goes up just with this one simple truth that says, he will come and he will abide with you forever. Amen? Amen. If someone were to say, you know, I believe uh, this truth, but it doesn't really alter how I live my life, I say, I don't think you really believe this. I don't think you really believe it. When we really believe this, it does have an impact on us. It was no small feat for God to create the conditions of, of making us a new wineskin, if you're familiar with Jesus' teaching, so that God himself could move in and take up residence inside of a human being. It, this was no small feat, but he did it, and so I want to live as if it's so. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, now the Lord uh, will work with, by the way, uh, whenever we speak his word, Remember what he said? What I said? He's there. He's here present to make it happen. Right? So you can take the word of God. You can take any word of the Lord and say, all right, Lord, it is written. It is so. This is the case with me right now. I'm not seeking you to do it. I believe you have done it. And so I declare your word over my family, my finances, my life, my health, my peace. Come on. I declare your word. Are you alone in doing that? You're never alone. But you're giving the Holy Spirit at that very moment something to work with for him to make manifest in your body. In, in your body, in your mind, in your, your, your family. So you can declare it. I declare opportunities. Opportunities abound in my life for those who have had doors closed on them. I declare, I declare wisdom in my life for, for, for raising my children. I declare healing in my body, in my joints, healing in my joints. I declare victory in my soul, victory in my emotions. I declare it. Amen. And you speak life to your life and the Spirit of God makes it happen. Yeah. Someone says, I'm going to think about that. 
Well, don't think too long because you got to start talking. You got to get it in your mouth and say, let there be. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.